Lord Jesus, we praise you with hallelujahs. Uh, we pray that you would help us now to hear uh, of your word, to see who you are, and to welcome you in. We ask it for your glory. Amen. In 180 days, the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games will begin. Athletes from all disciplines are working hard in their training in order to be ready for the world's biggest competition. Their focus is on winning the gold medal and standing on the podium to hear their national anthem played. And yet, another amazing experience would also await them a few days later, when they arrive back at Heathrow, or in Belfast, or in Dublin, when they experience a triumphant homecoming. Can you imagine that? Uh, having won uh, a gold medal uh, far, far away, uh, now being back in your hometown, being welcomed with crowds and cheering and jubilation, a homecoming hero. You see the same with football teams. And so last season, now um, apologies if this is a traumatic painful reminder uh, prayer ministry will be available afterwards Timmy if, if, if you need it um, Manchester City won the domestic treble the, the league in both cups and thousands turned out to celebrate as they drove around Manchester on an open top bus the city turned blue even the red bit of it uh, as they celebrated their homecoming heroes now, if that's how homecoming heroes are celebrated for kicking a ball around a field or becoming fast at running or good at jumping, then can you imagine what sort of homecoming welcome someone like Jesus would, receive, would deserve? Flags and banners and balloons, songs and music and dancing, crowds and cheering and celebration. He's one of our own. He's one of us. I mean, if you drive into Dungannon and see the sign that says it's the home of Darren Clark, then surely Nazareth would be cashing in on the fact that Jesus grew up in its streets. So when we read in Mark chapter 6 and verse 1 at page 1008 in the Pew Bibles, when we read there that Jesus went to his hometown, we're expecting quite a homecoming hero's welcome. It's what we would expect, having heard all that we've already heard in Mark's gospel about Jesus. At last time, uh, we heard about him healing the woman who had been ill for 12 years and raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. No doubt people would have been talking about all that and word would have spread. 
And that's besides all the other healings that Jesus has performed and the crowds that were following him and all his teaching. He's been touring around the region of Galilee, but now he's coming home. The hometown hero. Except that's not quite what happens. Jesus is not so much the hometown hero as he is the prophet without honour in his hometown. It seems so promising at the start, doesn't it? Look at verse 2. It says, When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? They were amazed at him. Jesus is teaching, and the people in church that morning are amazed. Now that could be really positive. It could be that they're amazed at just how great Jesus is and amazed at the excellent teaching that he is giving them. Except that's not how they're reacting. His teaching is excellent and he is great, but instead their amazement is entirely negative. First of all, they wonder at what Jesus is teaching Verse 2 still. Where did this man get these things, they ask? What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? In effect, they're saying, who does he think he is? He went away from here and now he thinks he's all high and mighty. Because people are following him and, and, and he's doing all these tricks. And then they show that they know exactly who Jesus is. Verse 3. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. All through this term, through this section of Mark's gospel, we're asking the question, who is Jesus? And the people of Nazareth have absolutely no doubt about who Jesus is. He's nothing special, according to them. He's just a wee fella from about here who now thinks he is something. He used to do a bit of word work. But now he thinks he's a preacher and a miracle worker. But sure, we know his family. We know all about him. Could you imagine that? They know Jesus better than anybody else. He had grown up in their town. He had played in their streets. And they can't get beyond that. To see who Jesus really is. To see how great Jesus really is. So much so that they're offended at him. It's almost as if they were over familiar with him. They had their notions about him and they couldn't see him in any other way. I wonder could that happen to us as well? 
that we've always thought of Jesus in a certain way. Maybe a particular image from a children's Bible or from a picture. And no matter what else we hear about Jesus, no matter what else he may say to us in his word, we will only think of him in that one little way, whether it's right or wrong. And so Jesus recognizes that far from being at the homecoming hero, he is to the people of Nazareth, the prophet without honor in his hometown. Jesus says there, verse four, only in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. I wonder if you've found this yourself. You might be ready and willing and able to talk to anybody about your faith in Jesus. And who are the hardest people to talk to about your faith in Jesus? Who is it? Your own family. Do you feel that? I know I do. But do you notice what Jesus claims about himself in these words? The people of Nazareth see him as a carpenter. But Jesus says that at the very least, he is a prophet. A prophet without honor. But he is at least a prophet. And yet, and yet they couldn't even accept that. And they couldn't accept him. And so they couldn't accept his ministry. Uh, No miracles except for just a few healings. So that it's Jesus who is amazed in verse 6. The people were amazed back in verse 2. Now Jesus is amazed in verse 6. And why is he amazed? He was amazed at their lack of faith. It's homecoming Heartbreak. As Jesus is treated as a prophet without honor in his hometown. But that doesn't stop Jesus in his mission. It's not, you know, that he was rejected at Nazareth and then he gives it all up just to become a carpenter again, having heard the truth in the Nazareth synagogue. No, Jesus is undeterred in his mission. And in fact, he ramps it up. You see, up to now, the mission has been centered exclusively on Jesus. The proclamation of the kingdom has only been happening where Jesus is. But now, the mission is being shared. And as Jesus goes teaching village to village, he sends out the disciples two by two doing ministry together in partnership. Jesus shares his mission with the twelve and he also shares his authority with them. Authority over evil spirits. What Jesus has been doing, the disciples will now do as well. And their work is by faith. The people of Nazareth, they were faithless. But the disciples, do you see, are to live by faith. Not 
bringing along a packed lunch or loads of supplies or even a change of clothes. Jesus says they can take a staff with them, but no bread, no bag, no money. Sandals, but no extra tunic. They're to stay at one house in the town, not shifting about as they get better off or somewhere else. And they're to shake the dust from their feet if they are rejected. It's a short-term strategy for effective ministry in this particular period of time as Jesus proclaims the gospel in Galilee. Now, there isn't just Jesus doing it. There is Jesus plus six pairs of disciples, meaning that seven villages all at the same time are hearing the good news as the disciples go on work experience, practicing what they've seen Jesus do. And we see the effects there in verses 12 and 13. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. They preached, they delivered, and they healed. And it wasn't just a few sick people who were healed, as it had been in Nazareth. Now there are many demons driven out, and many sick people who are anointed. Just think of the stir going around the country. Villages are turned upside down and turned around by the visit of Jesus and his disciples. Everyone is talking about it. And as we'll see next week, word even reaches to the palace of King Herod. The kingdom is coming all over the place except in Jesus' hometown, where they didn't want to know. Could it be that we think we know all there is to know about Jesus? We've grown up with him, hearing stories about him since our childhood. We've always been aware of him, but nothing will move us from our settled opinion about him, our preconceived notions about him. As we continue to follow at Mark's gospel story, please don't think to yourself, oh, I know all about Jesus. I know who he is. Keep listening and thinking and growing in your 2020 vision of who he is in all his power and might and majesty make him your hometown hero rather than regarding him as a prophet without honour and as we think about Jesus let's also consider what he thinks about us may it never be that Jesus would think of us the way that he thought of the people in the synagogue at Nazareth that day. In the words of verse 6. They were religious. They were there in church that day. And yet they were ultimately faithless. And he was amazed 
at their lack of faith. We are so familiar with Jesus, with his word, uh, with his stories. But may it never be that we have all that and yet lack faith in him. So keep listening. Keep thinking. As you grow in your faith in Jesus, this rejected prophet without honour in Nazareth, and yet our hometown hero, our prophet and priest and king. Let's pray. Father, we ask that uh, as we gather here, uh, just as those people gathered that day in the synagogue in Nazareth, that we would hear your voice. We pray that you would give us the grace to respond to you in faith, to welcome Jesus as our Saviour. For we ask it in his precious name. Amen.